Welcome to Between the Lines, a podcast by the Timothy Project. Tune in to an intriguing, mind-stimulating podcast where your mind-boggling questions in the Bible are analyzed. Simply breaking down mysteries in the Bible, precept upon precept in the scriptures until we see Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome. And thanks a million for sticking with us here at Between the Lines. I do pray that you've already seen some transformations because of the podcast episodes that you've listened to so far. And I do pray that your your lives have been changed for the better. Because if after all those mind-busting concepts from the blog posts have been well analyzed and broken down and Jesus has been reviewed, you still haven't changed then, Charlie. I don't know. I don't know. Then I pray for you, really. But back to the matter at hand. This episode is being recorded from different locations. We've gone 100% digital due to the rise in COVID-19 cases here in Ghana. So please do pardon any hitch should they okay. And please do take care of yourselves and others. Wise up and mask up. If you have nowhere to go, kindly stay indoors. You can listen to Between the Lines and read our blog posts. But let's keep trusting and praying to God. And we know that this too shall pass. So amen. I'm here with my usuals. Yeah, amen. I'm here with my usuals. And I want to be sure that their networks are, are still solid. So hi, Beth Mon. Can you hear me? I already heard your amen. Hi, Mavio. I'm good. I'm good. I'm very well. Hey, how's your day? Um... Quite good. There's a snowstorm, but aside that, everything is fine. Okay. Solomon, please, how's the day been? Oh, it's been a a sunny day. No snow. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been good. It's been good. All right. Bless God. Bless God for that. And um, guys, we're, we're actually done with the whole series, The Heart of a Disciple. And that's that's lovely for me. And for those who don't know, here at Timothy Project, we, we like to categorize our posts into series. And since the blog, the podcast sorry, is based on the blog posts, our podcasts are also categorized. So our Hearts of Disciples series is done and we are moving on to something new. But it was it was quite an interesting series, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not just for yeah. me, right? Yeah, it was oh, it was lovely. Very, what were your very, favorite very... parts? Very interesting. I think um, for me, it was when we were having the entire conversation about what it's, why it's important for us to be disciples and we ended up back in the Genesis story and yeah. realized that that is who we are made to be, to be properly human. We need to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm, mm, and mm, that's, mm. That's, that whole realization was a big deal for me. Yeah, for me too. That, that was one of the mind busting parts Solomon what was your favorite part about the entire series well I guess uh, Bethman has hinted on one of the highlights from that particular series um, for me I, I, I like my Christianity to be very practical and mm. so I would say one of the things that uh, I really enjoyed from the series was the Daniel the Daniel episode yeah. where we see how Daniel is able to balance um, secular life with his spiritual life. And there is no, uh, how do we call it, distinct barrier or break between yeah. the two. It's, it's a seamless flow 
uh, in his life. And I think that it's a, it's a great example of how we as believers should also live our lives, uh, not necessarily demarcating those aspects of our lives, but allowing God to flow through all those areas of our lives and touch people. So yeah, for me, that, that, that was one of the highlights for me for, from the previous series. Yeah, Daniel was such a tough character for me, honestly, because the standards were high, way, way, way too high. But that entire Indeed. series was amazing. Yeah, from Ezra to Paul, and then Daniel was lovely. So there's a, there's a new series on the blog, on the blog, <laughs> and it's the gospel series. As usual, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kindly go check it out on our website. The link is below and come back and let's dig in. So if you've seen the series, that's a gospel series, you immediately notice that it's, it's broken down into a rather unorthodox way. The, the subtopics are quite interesting. We start with what is the gospel, which we are discussing today. Then there's the hope of the prophets. The third is the royal seed of David. And the last is the son of God in power. I personally like the way it's broken down. But Bethmon, why such subtopics? Are they random or do they paint a larger picture? Um, I th- they paint a larger picture. Um, the okay. way we broke the the way we broke the whole gospel series down is is not an original concept. Um, if you read your Bibles in Romans chapter one, when Paul is introducing himself to the church in Rome and introducing what he does and the gospel message he preaches. And we see that breakdown there. I'd like to read it shortly. In Romans chapter one from verse one, Paul says, Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So we see, first of all, the gospel of God, the promise through his prophets, and we see that it is also verse three says concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Okay. So we see we see those four divisions there. First, it is the good yeah. news of God. Second, mm-hmm. it is it is something that the prophets were looking forward to when they prophesied. It is concerning True. an individual whose name is Jesus Christ who is the son of God, but is also the, is, he also came according to the through and through the family of David. And for mm-hmm. some reason, the, Paul thinks that Jesus coming through the line of David is so important that it's, yeah. it should be highlighted. And uh, above every other thing, this Jesus Christ he's talking about, though human, is the son of God in glorious power so that is where we got our division from so it's not an original idea it's just us sticking to scripture and we think that um properly going through these four motions tells the the gospel story in its entirety yeah yeah it does it does so there you have it our biblical proof or biblical backing for these lovely uh titles for our blog posts and since we are dwelling on order this podcast would would follow a particular order and um, you'll notice that we have this very nicely designed quotables as part of all our blog posts so today would be following those quotables as much as possible so the first one says 
The gospel is God's method of fixing what has gone wrong with us and with our world. And I feel like that's a very interesting definition for the gospel. I don't think that's what we are taught in Sunday school at all. I remember the gospel hands, one, two, three, four, five. I'm not singing, I'm not attempting singing it. But for me, that was, that was the first time I heard of the gospel. But let's hear from Solomon. Where, where did you first hear the gospel and how was it told to you? Well, I, I guess, um, and I've said here before that um, I, I've been a church boy most of my life. I, I still am. And so um, as far back as I can remember, I have been attending church. But um, the point in my life where I think that I now accepted the God of my parents to be my own personal God was uh, when I was I was just about to enter into high school. Um, so I would finished junior high and was waiting for my results and then then and then to enter into senior high and in that period a friend of mine had come back from from senior high he was a year ahead and we saw a very dramatic we had seen a very dramatic change in his life even though we were all in church and all of that and we loved god and everything we had we had seen a very dramatic change in his life he was more zealous and passionate for the things of god and 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 we we were at, we were drawn to that passion and so it was in conversation with him that we came to realize that there is more to this Christian uh, uh, journey that we are on and that it is not just about coming to church. It's not just about showing up every Sunday, but there mm-hmm. is a point where you yourself must personally believe in the Jesus Christ that you've heard preach every Sunday and where he translates from being our God to your God. And so I would say that it was around that time I became more conscious of my faith and what it what it starts to do, and so yeah, for me that that was the point in my life. I, I think I I really appreciated what the gospel was and what Christ had done for me. Yeah, but did you were you ever told that this is what the gospel is? Did someone try to define the gospel to you at that time? Um, well, not not um, explicitly, like saying that okay. Solomon, this is what the gospel is. No, I don't think that that I have had that experience. But the message of the gospel is is what I have encountered, and it it it, it was not um, put in a way as to say that okay, you've heard so many things, but what I'm telling you now is what the gospel is. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 I understand that. I, I guess, like like I shared before, for me, it was, it was just basically that we've sinned and that there's a savior, if you believe in you'd have eternal life. That's 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 um basically what I, I knew and I didn't think there was anything else. But let's hear from Bethman. When, same question, when did you first hear about the gospel and how was it told to you? Okay, I, I so I have similar upbringings like solo myself i was uh, i've been a church boy uh, my dad was a sunday school teacher so and my dad is a very practical type so at home we we do a lot of bible study morning devotion every morning 
And um, okay. so it was in those it was in those settings that I began to hear the message of the gospel. But like most yeah. people brought up in a home like that, you don't take those things seriously, right? Yeah. And, and uh, so there, so went to secondary school, went astray, straight away from the gospel message and the Christian life for a while. But I think there was a point in my life where there was this very strong doubt as to whether or not this gospel message could be true or whether or whether mm. or not it was true and that doubt led me to on a journey of searching and on uh, on the 4th of July 2010 um <laughs> uh, I I had what many would call an experience or an encounter but for me it was just an overwhelming sense of grace an overwhelming sense of what yeah. Christ has done for me and I wanted to find out deeper because when I was younger, the gospel message I heard was something of, um, if you sin, you go to hell. There's a song that uh, they used to sing. He sees what you do. He hears what you say. My God is listening all the time, time, time. So it was, that was the picture I had of God. It's like a, 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 someone who is out there watching, seeing what I do, mm-hmm. hearing what I say, waiting at the right moment to pounce on me yeah. if I take it the wrong step. And then, mm-hmm. but when I felt that overwhelming sense of grace, it led me on a search. And in that search, I uncovered the true gospel. And okay. I saw that in it was the love of God revealed. In it was a father who is standing out there with his arms open wide stretched out to anybody and everyone who is ready to return to him so um that's that's where the difference came for me that's lovely that that is amazing and i i love the fact that for both of you when you're sharing when you were sharing you the emphasis was on the fact that the gospel was more of, of an experience a personal encounter with god and understanding but and 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 not but sometimes it's hard to put it in words but we say that we're going to share the gospel when we evangelize so for for you bethmon um did you ever try to share the gospel with someone even whether it was before or after this this encounter you spoke of and how oh. how exactly did you go about it what did you say so um, here's the fun thing. Um, mm-hmm. While I was on, on the university campus, I, I was what you would call a, road, a roadside preacher. So okay. every morning I'll just carry my megaphone, go stand by the roadside and shout, repent, believe. <laughs> yes, <laughs> repent, believe in the gospel. And um, so for me, my basic gospel message was God loves you. He knows you're okay. a sinner. He is not condemning you to a life in sin. He has sent his son Jesus to pay the price for you. Repent, riches, turn from your ways, turn from your old ways of doing things and believe in what God has done for you and he would, you would be saved. So that was, that, was hey. the basic, that was the basic gospel message I, I used to preach. Okay. What time did you go with the megaphone, please? Oh, I need to ask. So, so um, um, <laughs> le- lectures would start probably around 8, by 8.15, you should be seated. So I usually wake up earlier, 5, I'm ready by 6. I'm on, uh, those of you in um, Common Kuma University of Science and Technology, there's a long path to our lectures, it's called Mecca Road, right? So I used to stand okay. on 
on Mecca Road. It's 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 it's, a, it's the funny name is a funny name because it's like yeah. everyone is making everyone is making a pilgrimage from their hostel to their classroom. Oh, okay, and, okay. And I was like John the Baptist, the voice in the wilderness, standing <laughs> standing on Mecca Road and and shouting and telling people to repent and believe in the gospel. <laughs> right. And so so for you, so to I don't yeah. know, did you also have a megaphone? If not, when and how oh. did you first share the gospel? <laughs> oh, nothing so dramatic uh, as that was. Do I wish I had a story like that? Um, I, I have found myself to basically share the gospel on more on a more individual uh, one-on-one basis with, with the people. Okay. And um, for me, the, the my the earliest I remember sharing the gospel and the message that I used to share was mm-hmm. that um, God loves you. That yeah. God loves you. And 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 that message was what I was, was preaching more or less because that was what I was told to say mm-hmm. um, when I went out to evangelize. Because as, mm-hmm. I, as, as I did mention earlier on, you see, you, you've been socialized in a certain environment, right? Yeah. And you, you just, you just believe what you. Be, and because you're, a, you're a kid, you have this innocent, um, sort of mindless belief in what your parents also believe in. Okay, so you even you 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 love Jesus without knowing why you love Jesus. Okay, and and yeah. and for me, and for me that that was my experience. And so, um. When the time came, I think during my early teenage years, when we were being encouraged to share the gospel with other people, then uh, a real fear set in because then we didn't exactly know how or what to say to people or, or to share our faith with people and let them know that um, what we are in or what we are experiencing is, is, is wonderful and we want you to, to also partake of it. So we were told to say, God loves you and he wants mm-hmm. you to be his child. Okay. And even though we are all the creation of God, we are not all the children of God. Yeah. And so God, because God loves you, he wants to make you his child. And he, once you become his child, you can escape. And this was very key in that message. You can escape the condemnation and the, <laughs> and the, and the damnation of hellfire. Yeah, the, and, the, the emphasis. Yes, and that was the, the 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 conclusion of the message. If you didn't add the hellfire, the message was not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so, yeah, basically, that was that was that was the message that we were sort of peddling. But um, in the course of time, that message changed as I myself grew and matured in the faith. I uh, began mm-hmm. to understand God is really seeking a relationship, and He wants us to reconcile to Himself. And it's not just for us to escape a certain hellfire. Which was not even meant for us in the first place. Yeah. So that, that that was how I I used to share the the gospel message early early on. Yeah, and I like that it's, it's told in a similar way in the blog posts, not not placing the emphasis necessarily on escaping hellfire, but letting you know that there's there's something that God wants to restore you to. There's a relationship. There's something bigger. There's something better there's something way more than anything you could ever expect or imagine waiting for you which is a relationship with the one that you were meant to be in a relationship with from beginning and that's lovely because for me um yeah I've also said before that I didn't necessarily grow up 
in, in in the church like you guys and so when when i hit the the gospel the first time it was more of is this true or is it not true so when i am preaching the gospel i'm just telling people see there's truth that is available and and it would suck not to know this truth and believe in this truth you can't live a lie for me it was just simply that i was not scared of help or wanting my life to be better and i think some people do that too they 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 preach the gospel as as an escape um from poverty or disease or illness but for me it was none of those it was it was it was the fact that there's truth in god and that god exists in god and god loves me and i need to believe in that truth so that's that's lovely yeah. Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah. A, a, a lot of people are scared, scared into Christianity, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they are preached or they are bribed, preached a message. bribed into Christianity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. One of the two. Um yeah. and the vast majority of people either come in because they feel or believe they've been told or believe that Christianity holds a better life than they are currently living, which is true, but not mm-hmm. in the way they are they expect it. Um, yeah. they believe it to be free of adversity they believe it to be free of um, mm-hmm. struggles and all that but mm-hmm. it's, it's actually not so uh, so uh, depending on how you came in yeah, you may be uh, a member of one of these school of thoughts yeah and once you've read this blog post trust me your definition and your way of, of preaching the gospel to someone else will change entirely so back to the quotable we said that the gospel is God's method of fixing what has gone wrong with us and with our world. So it means that there is a problem. There's something that's gone wrong. And obviously we see it in sicknesses and abuse. There's murder. There's rape. Yeah, there's evil within us without. It's very depressing sometimes. So what really went wrong? What, 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 what do we think the real problem is in does that problem really account for all the darkness that we see? Okay. Who like um, to take this first? I'll take this. So um, if you've followed Timothy Project for a while, there's, there's something we keep hammering upon, and it's the image of God concept, right? Because the image of God ha- has everything to do with who we are as human beings. So when, when God made humanity, he made us in his image and his likeness to reflect everything about God. And God in, in his essence is good, right? And there was only one caveat to everything that God gave man with all the freedoms and all the power and the free will, everything. The one caveat was do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, for somebody who sits back and just looks at it, it's like, uh, but what's so difficult about eating from a tree of knowledge of good and evil? But it, it had j- just more to do than just eating from a tree. The instruction at its core was, humans, I've given you everything, but the one thing you don't get to do is to define for yourself good and evil. I, God, mm. I get to define good and evil. And... um. Humanity yielded to the temptation of um, the tempter and began to define for themselves what is good and evil. And you see that particular problem plaguing our world even to this point in time. 
We keep on mm. shifting the parameters, shifting the goalposts, redefining what it means to be human, redefining gender, redefining yeah. family ideals. And that sort of redefinition, that sort of wanting to play God mm-hmm. is what has, has led to the breakdown of the harmony the world had. Because when God created the world, it was God was in optimal control. He ceded control to humanity and the rest mm-hmm. of creation submitted to humanity. So as long mm-hmm. and, and we were in perfect harmony with each other, the Bible says the man and his wife were naked before each other and they were unashamed. Meaning there was openness between humans. There was transparency between humans. But the moment the link to God was broken, we decided to sever the link. We decided to play mm-hmm. God. We don't need God any longer. Then creation became distorted our relationships are broken there is pain there is suffering and um our our present world today is is as a result of human beings trying to play god so this is the problem this is the problem of our world and the gospel is god's way of reordering the world correcting it bringing it back Mm -hmm. to its, its former state yeah ha goodness so i think this question will go to so to um so i understand what bethman is saying and um the fact that we try to define things ourselves that that sense of rebellion and trying to control things ourselves is what's bringing all this all of this darkness but going back to sunday school things right we know that it's because Adam and Eve sinned in the first place. And I remember growing up, I was thinking, well, they sinned, you know, why should we still be living in the consequences of it? I mean, if I feel like if I was there, <laughs> I want to promise God that I would have, I would have obeyed him and not eaten other fruits. I'd have gone to eat other fruits, you see. So, and not eating the apple. I don't think it was an apple. Anyways. <laughs> but but in your in your opinion, why do you think this should affect all of us? I mean, one one couple sinned, so why should it affect all of us? Well, um, so the the thing is, the way God relates with humans, okay, uh, is interesting. Um, he being the God of the universe and being the righteous that, 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 he, that he is, um, in dealing with the Israelites concerning um, rebellion and concerning sin, he says to them that he will visit the sin of the fathers upon um, the children uh, from the third to the fourth generation. Mm. It, 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 implies, yeah. it implies that there is a certain transference that happens when um, from generation to generation when sin is in the picture. When, so when that corruption is seeded in man, man, it does not reside only in the first man, that is Adam, but it flows down from him through all humanity and even to our present time. So we all have that proclivity to rebel against God. It comes to us naturally. And that is what the Bible refers to as the nature of sin. And so immediately man decided to rebel against God. 
and decided to take the place of God. Man lost a certain nature that God had given to him, mm. right? The nature of God in him, the nature of righteousness, and he took on the nature of sin. Mm. Okay, and once uh, we all are descendants of Adam, that nature of sin is is um, passed down from one generation to the next, and so all of man, right? Uh, all of humankind now possess that nature of sin. And so um, if you, a typical example of that playing out is when you see, we say children are innocent a lot of the time yeah. and they, they don't really have a concept of wrong and right. However, mm-hmm. when you see two children, two innocent children interacting <laughs> with each other, you see that most often than not, there is a certain uh, uh, sense of, uh, selfishness that is at play, and yeah. maybe one one is one is having a toy and does not want to uh, share with the other. You understand? Mm-hmm. Or one one just hoards or takes charge of every uh, toy that is around, and they, they they do not want the other party to enjoy of 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 what they are enjoying, and that is yeah. a, it's an indication. You do the children don't even begin need to have a, a concept of right or wrong but within them already there exists that proclivity to seek their own not to be concerned about the other person to be selfish all right and to rebel mm-hmm. you understand and so yeah uh, it, it is it is more a spiritual um concept right and and mm-hmm. I, the, the funny thing is that i've i read i read an, a, a research I wish I could um, give give give. Maybe we can put it in the description. The the, the research was saying that um, the researchers have found out that mm-hmm. the in the in the it seems as though people who are involved in a, like very serious crimes, like hardened criminals, um, mm-hmm. this when when they give birth, okay, it seems that. There's a portion of their their genes that 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 transmits that that characteristics of them. So maybe if hey. somebody was like, a, yeah, it's crazy. If somebody was like a like a serial killer or something of the sort, he seems to pass that proclivity down to his children. So they are, prone, they, they are prone <laughs> to 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 exhibit those same character traits. Okay. So it is a it is a spiritual thing that manifests physically. Mm. Okay. So um, so 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 yeah. That is that is why we are all sort of like uh, suffering for the sin of one man. Okay. It has been transferred <sighs> down through the generations to mm. everybody. So we all possess the sinful nature. Mm. That makes sense. That makes sense. But um. We can still conveniently blame Adam and Eve, right? Because I gotta have someone to blame. Um, I, th- I, th- I think um, just look at your life, right? <laughs> right. How many times? Uh-huh. How many times have you played God in your own life? For example, you would see somebody do something, and you intrinsically know that this thing is evil. The person shouldn't have done that, but two days after you find yourself in the same situation. And now you begin to make excuses as to why it's different with you. In that moment, you are True. playing God. You are shifting the goalposts. And, <laughs> and we 
we consistently do that in our day-to-day activities. So when it comes to the sinful nature, right, it is not an issue of mm-hmm. them against us. We share, mm-hmm. like, like it is a collective um, uh, identity we share in because of our shared humanity. Just yeah. by our being human, because like Solo said, um, there are things that are passed down in our genes, right? And this is one of them, the, the proclivity to want to be independent of God, the proclivity to want, you see, it's not, I wouldn't even say it's the proclivity to be evil. The proclivity to be independent of God leads to evil because God is the center and the ground of truth. Yeah. Truth and all goodness. So anything mm-hmm. that deviates from God deviates from the center of truth and goodness. And because we want to be independent of God, the further we move away from God, the more we move to evil. And that is why the mm-hmm. world is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think sometimes you can look at how, how passionately people want to, to avoid the word God and they call it nature or, or you know, or Vibes, lack. Vibe. Or, vibes, pos- positive or the vibes. energies, yeah, the energies <laughs> in the universe. The universe is 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 uh, the universe has your back, or the universe is rooting for you. And I'm thinking, <laughs> hello, who's the universe, please? <laughs> you know, but but I totally I totally understand that. And um, ha, if you've listened to us to this this point, we've discussed the first quotable, which says that. The gospel is God's method of fixing what has gone wrong with us and with our world. And we've seen what has gone wrong, that we've we've fallen short from a certain standard, which is our image, our image of God, and um, and that we've decided to play God and redefine things, our own versions of good and evil. And that's what's creating all of these things. And that's what brought in the sinful nature, which is inherited. And that's why we are all a part of this. So on to the second quotable. So the second quote has to be my favorite because i get to learn a new word you want galleon i've been practicing (laughs) (laughs) yeah you got it right (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you practice makes perfect ladies and gentlemen all right so beth one is this greek or hebrew or fancy it's it's oh <laughs> it's it's <laughs> greek it's greek it's greek um evangelion is the greek word that is translated in our bibles good news and gospel okay right okay so um the term that's the term paul uses in romans chapter one the term has mm-hmm. uh, uh strong ties to um good tidings or good news right so mm-hmm. um for example in the typical greek or roman world in which the gospel setting occurs when um let's say caesar or the roman empire goes to win goes on to conquer a new land and uh, wins the battle the mm-hmm. caesar would send um, a herald right in 
a herald in our local palace in Ghana would say Gongombita, somebody who is coming to announce the news. So the herald comes okay. proclaiming the evangelion, the good news that okay. Caesar has won the battle, Caesar has conquered, right? Or even sometimes on Caesar's birthday, he goes around proclaiming the good news. It is his birthday. Because Caesar was not just an ordinary individual, he was seen sort of like along the line, the title Caesar became deified. So when they proclaimed mm-hmm. Caesar's birthday, it's like a proclamation of the birthday of a god. So that was the yeah. idea and the language in which good news is used. And usually when they use the term euangelion, it is a news that is so good that as a result, our lives will never be the same. So okay. when Paul when Paul says the gospel is the good news of God, he's saying that the gospel is such a wonderful and fantastic thing that God has done for all of us that okay. as a result, the entire world will never be the same. So that is the gospel. That is the good news of God. And the first century audience who heard Paul use this term and heard the disciples use this term, would have their minds quickly go down to Isaiah, where the prophet Isaiah talks about the good news of God coming back to reign, right? How beautiful are the mountains at the feet of them who bring good news, proclaiming good, glad tidings of happiness, that our Mm -hmm. God reigns. So for him, that is the the language and the hyperlinks that are happening over there. So there there is something that has happened as a result of which our world will never be the same, But at Mm -hmm. the same time, he is sort of drawing a link to the Isaiah prophecy, something we'll look at further in our next episode, right? But there are links to the strong Isaiah prophecy that God is reigning, God is returning, and it is the good news. Yeah, so he's returning. It's almost like the battle analogy that you gave. I, I really loved that. For the fact that um it gave me understanding and understanding that the good news is something that was was much awaited that like people were looking forward to the good news yeah. and and it was that it was that exciting so mm. so if it's something that god himself was was planning even from the beginning of time why why did it why did it take so long <laughs> why did he have to use um start with abraham use the israelites especially the israelites i mean no shade on the israelites i mean yeah we are gentiles are blessed because of them and we are gentiles so so uh i just want to know why why was it necessary for the israelites to be part of the story because we we include them in in the blog post and writing yeah but why was it why was it necessary it didn't seem like a very long tortuous road why didn't God just cut to the cut straight to the chase so uh, it was, you know, um, God is righteous, and by okay. righteous that means God will always do the right thing all the time. Yeah. And um, in 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 God trying to correct the mess of the world, He has to do it the right way. So first, God picks Abraham, enters a covenant with Abraham, and Abraham mm-hmm. believes God, which is Abraham says holds God to his word and says that I believe what you have said, something that Adam and Eve could not do. So God sort of brings Abraham into a relationship with him and says that Abraham, because of the fact that you have believed me, I'm going to use your family to bring about the correction that I want to bring about. So, So the nation of Israel should not be looked at an arbitrary choice, but the nation of Israel is just 
Abraham's family that has grown and become one nation, as God promised Abraham that he would do. And okay. um, so these people had strong ties with God, but they were also plagued with the problems that all humanity was plagued with. They also were rebellious, mm. sinful people like us. Yeah. And why, as to why it took so long, I think um, when we get to heaven, we'll all ask God, but the Bible <laughs> gives us, the Bible gives us some inkling as to why it took so long because God was working a lot of things out. In Galatians 4, it tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent forth a son. For it, it means that when the time was right, right? Mm. In, my, in my brief understanding of, in my small understanding of world history, Right. It was at the time that Jesus, at the time that Jesus came, most of the then known world spoke one language. Right. There was, okay. there was a common, there was a very common language, which was Greek. Um, um, Alexander the Great, through his world conquest and um, Hellenization of the then known uh, world, sort of, every, so the world, most of the known languages of the, most of the uh, uh, civilizations of the world had like a common language. Those who did mm. not speak, those who did not speak um, Greek spoke um, uh, Syriac, but there was similarities in the languages. And the mm-hmm. Romans to the Romans to who came and conquered after the, the major Greek uh, civilization also built roads connecting various parts of the world. So it was like the the gospel message could spread the fastest after. Okay in that period so i think it, it just came at the right point in, in time in history later mm-hmm. on i think we should uh, do another episode to really explore these uh, various things but uh, that's mm-hmm. why i'll say it took such a time because god was waiting for the right time for the gospel to have its greatest impact and look at mm-hmm. look at the impact of the gospel that from yeah. a little corner in first century palestine today the gospel message is still making waves and it mm-hmm. came at the right time. Yeah, true, true. But <laughs> back to back to the Israelites <laughs> and and Adam and Eve. I mean, it's a question that people ask all the time, you know. And and I want us to discuss it in light of all that we've said that that is there is a problem. God was waiting for the the right time, and He planned it. Uh, so if He planned it, He knew that Adam and Eve will fail and the Israelites will fail right so why why was it still necessary to to use these groups of people because for Abraham I mean I understand he was a cool dude obeyed God and we see we see all the imagery that um, all the pictures that God was trying to paint but with the Israelites and Adam and Eve why I gotta I gotta ask him why but do we do we have any um, takes on that? Like, why did he insist on choosing them as the the shadow of the gospel or prelims to the gospel? Why do we think so? Mm. So, to you go, I go. Um, with why with why Adam and Eve? Um, I think that um, God, is, being the God that He is. Um, sought to express himself in his creation. Um, and um, after the Bible says that after he created, in the creation story, after he created everything, it was good in his sight and he created man in his own image, right? Mm-hmm. Now, as he created man in his own image, he did not leave man without a will. Yeah. And so God gave man a will and the, and the privilege of choice, 
and choosing so that there can be perfect love. Because without choice, the, the love cannot exist. All right. Mm -hmm. And so God gave man that, that privilege and that opportunity for man to be able to choose him God and to love him God. Now, um, one would say if God is all-knowing and knowing that God will, um, how do we call it, like the man will rebel and everything, why did mm -hmm. all that happen in the first place? But there was this, there's this very interesting analogy that I came across, and okay. and it was this is how it was being uh, explained for somebody who may possess foreknowledge or all knowledge, right? Imagine mm -hmm. you you have you you can see a baby crawling on top of a of a high table, and mm -hmm. you can see the ends of the table and the the part on which the baby is. If it keeps going on that same path it is eventually going to fall off the table. Yeah. In that instance, you have foreknowledge of what is going to happen to the baby if he stays mm -hmm. on that particular course. But mm -hmm. what you do not have control over is the choice and the will of the baby. And so if the baby decides to turn another way, what you saw may not transpire. I hope you, you understand. So okay. even, if, even though God, God knows what is going to happen our choices also affect how things play out and that's the one thing that god has given to us and so even with his solution to restoring the world to what it was before and reconciling every man to himself we men or humankind have the choice to either accept that um uh, how do you call it that path to 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 redemption and salvation or yeah. to reject it and for those who accept that path he welcomes them back into his fold but for those who reject it there is nothing that he can really do about it you, 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 i hope you understand me and so mm -hmm. um but these these are some of the things that 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 actually play out when it comes to um god's choice and how things uh, seem to go in the world um yeah. with relation to the israelites it was it was a covenant that he made with with uh, abraham and so throughout mm -hmm. the, the 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 history of the israelites god kept reminding them and even in times when they seriously rebelled and had gone against his his instructions and, and his laws he would he would remind himself of the covenant he had made with abraham with Isaac yes. and with Jacob, okay? The Bible says that God, even when we are unfaithful, he is still faithful. So he's a faithful God and he will do the right thing. And so if, uh, even though Israel may rebel and go the way of all men, God, because he's a covenant-keeping God, all right, stays true to his covenant with them and says that you are still my chosen nation. And so uh, they will rebel the, they will go into exile, but there will still always be a remnant that God will gather once again unto himself. So God, in, in, in keeping in step with the Israelites, okay, was, was, was he being faithful to the covenant that he had established with Abraham, their father? All right. All right. That's, that's actually a very lovely exposition. Thank you very much for letting us understand how God works in how he's true to his covenant and his promise. I feel like prophesying right now and telling people that God will be true to whatever promise that he has given them, but it actually is true. God Jeez. is righteous like Prophesy. that. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah they've not they've not sown a seed so <laughs> and in our next podcast we would we'll talk about what prophets are actually supposed to do so don't miss that one and for staying with us for this long i have a fun fact for you it's not really new if you've read the blog post um it's something that i found to be fun as well that that god was the first gospel evangelist not the the man that you know or the woman that you know god was the first gospel evangelist he didn't use a megaphone though he was not wow. at America Road. The shade. The shade. <laughs> yes, yes. I hope you are comfortable under the shade. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is called the Proto <laughs> Evangelion. That's the first ever gospel. So you can check it out. Genesis 3:15, where God said that the seed of the woman would, would be bruised by the serpent, but that seed will crush the head of the serpent. Crush it. That's a lovely part for me. <laughs> so I, I feel like it's like those movies where it seems like the the wicked person has the upper hand but yeah. but you know kill a bill a show that kind of thing exactly and at the very end the seed will crush the head of the serpent but is that is that really the the entire essence of the gospel and and uh, if it is is it is it fulfilled in jesus really like that's yes i see the 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 seed of the serpent, right? The serpent, mm-hmm. what the serpent did was the one who is, is, he's the one who led humanity away from God. He's the one who continues to draw us away from God. And yeah. when Christ, Jesus Christ came as the seed of the woman, mm-hmm. right? He came and crushed the head of the serpent. In First uh, John, the Bible says that it is for this purpose that the Son of God was made manifest, that he may destroy all the works of the devil. So it's like he came to render the devil powerless so that we might be made free to serve God and to go back to who we are, right? And then um, is that fulfilled in Jesus Christ? Yes. Jesus Christ is quite a unique individual in the scriptures, fully man yet still fully God. So this is how sometimes I read it. It's like, God was like, you know what? Um, for this particular mess, I have to get in and solve it myself. So it's like Jesus coming into the scene is like God folding up his sleeves and getting his hands dirty, coming to be with us and solving the entire mess. So if God's plan was to get involved himself and get his hands dirty, why why did it have to be through a gruesome death like how does one man's death lead to the salvation of everybody because it was quite a, a scary gruesome death and okay. and how does it verify his claims so do you take that i was hoping you'll take that <laughs> <laughs> okay so should i go ahead Yes, please. You guys. Okay, so how does one man's death do that? Okay, so the all the way back to the beginning, God's punishment for sin was death, right? So on the day mm-hmm. that you shall eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall surely die. That was the punishment. So, but there, there was there was so we view death as physical death, right? But for God, death came, death is a separation. Right, so that is a separation from of the spirit from the body, and so it is a it is a separation of the source of life 
from the live animated object. Right? If it's, okay. so, so it is the spirit that gives the human body life. So when the spirit is separated from the human body, death has occurred. In the same way, God is the source of all life. Any separation from God is death. Yeah. So, so when humanity sinned, the first death that we saw was the was the removal of man from the Garden of Eden, the very presence of God, right? And later we see the separation of man's spirit from his body, physical death or caring. So that has yeah. always been the price to pay. So we have been separated from God, and we are going to be separated from our bodies. Mm. Then comes Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. He is, if Jesus Christ is just an ordinary man, his death pays for only his sins, right? But yeah. he is not just an ordinary man. He is God in the flesh, right? Mm-hmm. He, and he makes so many claims to point to the fact that he is God in the flesh. We'll look at that mm-hmm. in our final episode on this series. But the, the, suffice it to say that on, on the cross, Jesus Christ, being an eternal being, has the power to pay the price for everyone, right? So yeah. in his death on the cross, it is, um, theologians call it the substitutionary atonement. He is taking our place, right? Mm-hmm. So you realize that Jesus Christ never had separation from the Father because he was one with the Father. But on the cross, he felt separation from the Father. That's why he would cry out. My uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, Christ was separated from the Father so that we would return to the Father. He carried Mm -hmm. the burden and the pain of our sin so that we might be free from our sin. And that is why Mm -hmm. his death pays the price for us all. But the most important thing in all of this is that Jesus Christ made a startling claim. We know centuries of science, you see, most often, the, one of the um, claims of those who are against the Christian message is that we are believing a fairy tale. The truth yeah. of the matter is, even 2,000 years ago, they did not believe that dead men rose. It's not, it's not something that um, we, are, we have invented today. 2,000 mm-hmm. years ago, dead men rising from the dead was as strange as it is today, even with yeah. our advancements in, te- in technology and medicine. Mm-hmm. And Jesus Christ kept making the claim that when he dies, he would resurrect. When he dies, he would resurrect. And he kept on mm-hmm. saying that that would be his overall claim and his, his vindication. And we see that yeah. even though he died and paid the price for us, he was still sinless. He never did anything wrong. So as such, death could not hold him. And God mm-hmm. raised him up from the dead to prove Jesus' claim that he was not just an ordinary individual. He was God in the flesh who had come to pay the price. So in his death, he paid the price. In his life, in his new life, being raised from the dead, he offers life to everyone who would believe in him. Hmm. And, th- and that, that is why, and that is why uh-huh. even though we see the painful, gruesome death, it is still good news because in that death, he paid the price for us. And now he's still alive, offering life to everyone who would believe. Hmm. That actually made me smile. And it leads us straight to our last quotable, which says that in raising Jesus from the grave, God vindicated the claim of Jesus. Now, the carpenter of Nazareth was really God in the flesh. 
Ooh-hoo. that in raising Jesus from the grave, I feel like we need a megaphone now. I'm really sorry, but yeah, God vindicated the claim of Jesus and that the carpenter of Nazareth was really God in the flesh. So just to summarize before we leave our awesome listeners, what do you think our response should be to this? Especially to those who think that this is, this is hard to believe. What, what, what do we think our response should be? I mean, people's response should be. Uh, I, I think our response should be to welcome the gospel and, mm-hmm. and welcome the new life that has been presented. I mean, um, let's face it. We've seen, we've seen how the world is when humanity is in charge, right? Yeah. We've seen the wars. <laughs> we've seen the broken homes. We've seen the broken families. We've seen the, 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 the tears. Mm-hmm. And God has, has ushered in a new era where he is reigning and we submit to his rule and to his reign. So I honestly, you have nothing to lose by giving God a try. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's the whole point. We must, we must run and embrace what Jesus has done for us so that we become better humans because our world mm-hmm. needs us to be better. And the only way we yeah. can be better is if we submit to Jesus. Most so definitely. For me, that's so too. Yeah, most definitely. Sorry, do you want, yeah. you want us to add something? Yes, uh, I, I okay. uh, just before I even respond to, uh, before I even respond to uh, the quote and how our response should be, I just wanted to add a, a little bit to what Petpon was saying earlier about okay. how one man's death um, uh, it's it's brings all of us into right standing with God. The thing is, um, as I explained earlier, uh, where through one man's sin, the whole world. Uh, inherited the nature of sin all right mm-hmm. and god there's an interesting and very beautiful symmetry in there through that same way that man was corrupted and generation by generation uh, that same corruption is passed down um bible describes jesus christ as the last adam through whom yeah. he gives uh, he's a life-giving spirit and so he jesus christ who is the last Adam, lives his life in a way that is devoid of sin. Okay, the Bible says that he was tempted in all points, but he was without sin. And he lays his life down to pay for this, the, this, the punishment for sin, which is death. And so by believing in him, we are born anew and we inherit again that nature of God. And so through this, through our belief in Jesus Christ, right, our sin is paid for, the penalty for our sin is paid for. And then we also um, receive that new nature that we lost. And so it is like how Adam, um, from generation to generation, the sinful nature is transferred. We also, mm-hmm. once we have received Christ, also transfer, that, that, that uh, nature of righteousness is transferred or is imputed on us because of what Christ has done. And so yeah. just like just like Adam, where you did not have to commit the original sin, but yet you, you receive the nature of what? Of sin. In the mm-hmm. same way, um, Jesus Christ, you didn't have to pay the penalty of, mm. the, of, of your sin, but Jesus Christ has done that for you. And so he imputes uh, the nature of righteousness on you. Yeah. So that's how it's worked. And I, I believe, I just wanted to point that out because it's a, it's a very beautiful symmetry there as well. But yeah, even course, the symmetry yes. in, yeah, I, I mean, the, even in the, the symmetry of birth, 
the fact that um, the other, the sinful nature is, is transferred by birth and so is yeah. the nature of God by birth, but that is new birth. Yes. And being born yes, again. Yes, by being born Jesus. again. So thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So thank you for and that. And I think that, yeah, and I think that um, we all should be very happy and glad that God uh, followed through with his proto-evangelion and he, mm -hmm. he, he made sure that um, what he promised to do to reconcile us unto himself, he actually did. And for yeah. us, Christ being raised from the dead um, and being and he being vindicated um, as the one he said to be, should be, is, is, is wonderful news to us. And if there's a way for us to be restored unto God um, without having to pay the penalty of our sins, I don't see why um, anyone really would want to go any other way. Mm -hmm. Because God has made it very easy for us to be reconciled unto him. And that is the good news, that I do not have to pay for my sin, that somebody mm -hmm. has paid for my sin, and that I can be reconciled to God by believing in that person, that is the, the man, Jesus Christ. That is fantastic news. And I think that yeah. everyone that hears this news should just, should just respond and latch onto it, uh, because it is, mm -hmm. it is indeed good news, and it is wonderful yeah. news. Yeah, it's indeed good news. And we've, we've been talking about what is the gospel uh, first in the gospel series. We've learned that there's a problem in the world because we want to play God and define good and evil. We've learned a new word, euangelion. We know that is the good news. We have the scenario of uh, the proclamation of of success in the battle or victory in the battle and um, that, that whole good tidings and happiness that comes with the good news. And uh, we've learned that God, God himself steps into the, in the problem or has stepped into the problem to solve it through Jesus Christ who claimed to be God and that claim was verified by his resurrection. And our response is to rejoice and partake in this new life that God is presenting to us. So as we wrap up, we hope that you learned something new or that your, your previous knowledge was strengthened. But even if you are totally confused or you want a way of starting this new relationship we're talking about, just connect with us. Any questions you have, just know that as usual, what we say is that God is not scared and we are not faced by your questions. So come along, let's, let's do this discipleship thing together. I don't know if any of you have any last words for our listeners on this, on this topic. No, I think you got it, Cap. Touching all bases. <laughs> yeah. So, so thank you so much for being on board this, with us. And um, we just want to to be disciples and make disciples together thank you so much for listening and thank you guys so much for being with us beth Mon and solomon god bless you guys so much so to you hear from us god bless you marvio been a pleasure <laughs> yeah god bless you so to you hear from us anu think on this gospel accept this gospel and share this gospel thank you so much for listening bye For tuning in to Between the Lines by the Timothy Project. 
The Timothy Project is a crowdfunded discipleship ministry that seeks to train and disciple young believers, presenting them perfect to Christ. What we do here is made possible by your generous gifts and donations. If you've been blessed and seek to support us, you can find our giving options in the description below. Keep tabs on our website for exciting blog posts. You can also interact with us on our social media handles in the description below. The Timothy Project, presenting every man perfect. <laughs>